Hey, 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 podcast world. Yay, we're back. <laughs> we are back and better than ever. We are. What are you drinking? Or what mug are you drinking out of? Yes, yes. I am drinking out of this little mug. It looks like it's from one of those websites where you can like create a mug. Like, you can put, like, family photos on one or something. That's kind of oh, what it, yeah. like, gives me the vibes of. So, kind mm-hmm. of, like, petite. Um, and Giving petite. Yeah. <laughs> I've never thought I'd hear that from a mug. Yeah. But, you know. Well, she is. Um, and then the inside is black. The outside's white. And it has our, like, College Ministries logo for our apologetics class that we used to do on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was given to me as a gift from the old teacher of that apologetics class because i was gonna take over and then that didn't happen which and is that's okay totally okay yeah but i got a cool mug out of it so yeah and it that's worth it honestly honestly yeah because this is one of a kind yeah. i think only like the so the social media person got like me the old teacher and our social media person got one wow. and that was it so you're the chosen one truly well, my mug is completely different. It does have probably about, like, ten different versions of dogs. Like, one dog is a pug in a bumblebee suit. One's a Palteranian. <laughs> That's not a dog. Palteranian? <laughs> Pom- no, what kind of dog is this? Let me it's see. It's a dog. Um, oh, a French bulldog, Oh, maybe? a French bulldog. Those aren't the same things at all. But it's wearing a sweater, so that's all that matters because it's really cute. Yeah, he's cute. I can attest. But it's just, like, the fact that I'm drinking this mug and you're drinking this apologetics. Like, <laughs> Wait, is that one? Show our personalities, then. That's true. Them. That's true. Is that one in a bee costume? Yeah, I just said that. Oh. <laughs> that's really that's awkward. That's really awkward. <laughs> oh, dang. That's tough. <laughs> But, yeah, um, we're both drinking Throat Comfort Tea because it's the best tea out there. It's so good. It I, I'm i not a big tea person. This mm-hmm. is the tea that I could always get down for. Like, it's just a good rainy day tea, a good chill tea, yeah. a good throat comfort tea. It's almost like that's the name of it. Almost, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, today we are going to be, like, I just feel like there's no light way. To introduce? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, politics. (laughs) Politics. Dun, dun, dun. I just, for me, when I hear the word politics, I just, like. Want to run. Yeah. Exactly. That's so valid. And for me, when I, well, let me, let me rephrase. For me, four or five years ago, when I heard the word politics, I wanted to fight. Ooh. So, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So here we are now to talk about it. Yeah. And our responses about it as believers and college students where politics is a burden. Yeah. Politics is like a huge topic when you hit college campus because I didn't, I grew up never really involved with politics. I mean, my parents talked about it sometimes, but it was never um, a huge topic I guess going on in our house and so getting into the college campus life was a culture shock of seeing signs everywhere especially when elections come up you're it's just like wow this is a huge I mean it's always been a huge thing for our world but just seeing how college students get to take their own side now I guess when they move out of their parents house and they get to 
Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I feel like it's one of the first things that, like, young adults I start to identify with. Right. And and it makes sense because, I mean, at 18, you get to do that. I mean, you right. get to officially make that decision and, and identify with something if you choose. But I do feel like, I mean, it's gotten really large over the past um, few years. And just, like, trying to encourage young voting and, and mm-hmm. build young voting because it is one of the the smaller populations of people that vote. Um, I think it's the smallest, actually. I don't know that for a fact, but anyway. Um, and so, yeah, it's gotten big, and it's and it's something that I've encountered on our campus. I know you've I mean, encountered it, too. especially a poli-sci major. Yes. Like, that's all your whole college career. Yeah, yeah. I am a political science major. Uh, I'm a senior now, so I'm, I'm pretty much done with those classes. But mm-hmm. my four years was kind of spent around very politically charged and politically engaged people, which was interesting especially at the university that we go to um and just the kind of culture and climate that we we are in every day but it also taught me a lot and I also got to hear a lot from just the world Mm -hmm. that has made me one like more aware of lostness Mm. and two more aware of how real the care for these things are right like this isn't something that people are like these like political ideals and beliefs aren't something that people just like choose because it's fun right like these people have really really and i have like or i had really really deep-seated care and passion for i mean politics and and these beliefs and ideals and things Mm. yeah that's good. Can you kind of touch on your story of what you felt going into college and how the Lord changed your heart regarding politics? Yeah. So I was raised um, in kind of a more liberal setting, I would say, um, which I, you know, I didn't ever see as a problem considering that I like didn't start going to church really until late elementary school and then really didn't get involved till middle school and then you don't know anything about politics in middle school so anyway didn't see it as a problem long story short um or and and i'm not necessarily saying that it is a problem but um yeah i was raised pretty liberal and so when i started going to church i remember feeling kind of just like poked at and Mm. kind of just not accepted for some of the things that I had been raised believing and that I believed. And this started coming to a head really in high school because I was actually starting to listen to sermons mm-hmm. and I was actually starting to like be a part of a church. Um, and so I would notice that things more. I also started caring a whole lot more about politics in high school. Um, and so I just remember it being a frustration of mine. I remember thinking that the older people in my church felt like I wasn't a good enough Christian because I didn't agree with them politically. Mm. And I remember one instance, my senior year of high school, where I had posted something kind of talking about what we're going to talk about today and that I don't necessarily believe you have to fit a political box. And someone had commented, I don't know how you can be a Christian and say this. And that was when I think I really was like, oh, wow, this is something that is, like, we're defining people's faith on. Mm, Like, these 
secondary ideals and beliefs Mm -hmm. we're defining people's faith on and not like like we're doing it casually as well and so then when I got into college I was really just faced with taking my faith seriously that was when I kind of tried to and started to really pursue my faith seriously to starting to started to dive into the word and read the word and so I remember being like, okay, I need to figure this out because if somebody asks, I want to be able to answer and I don't want to make something up. I don't want to say something that I don't full heartedly believe and feel like I've prayed about. And so I remember just kind of taking a step back Mm -hmm. and I remember trying to not be as vocal. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what I realized is that I didn't need more worldly noise in my life Mm. while I was pursuing the Lord. And so when I took a step back for a little while and just started to kind of focus on, on God and how God can shape my political beliefs, I just really saw a transformation and it wasn't like, I still am not like left or right. I'm, I'm, I would, you know, I'm, just I'm not gonna like say what I am but yeah like I I'm still not like super radical either way or or I don't really identify with the party Mm -hmm. but whereas before my political beliefs were motivated in me they're now motivated in Christ Mm -hmm. and I and I don't think that there is that that implies red or blue either Mm -hmm. I don't um which we'll talk about too but yeah, I don't think that that fully implies red or blue just because that they were switched to Christ. Um, but the motivation is still there, and it's still present, and it's still important. Right. So that's kind of my story. And, yeah. and ever since then, I um, I still kind of stay involved and stay in the know, and I, I love, love, love getting to talk to college students about it now. Mm-hmm. It's one of my, like, favorite things. It's one of my favorite parts about my testimony. Like, I just it's crazy to be on the other side of that and be like I love that I went through that because yeah I I do and I love that it gets to speak to people now because I see it and I see how stressful it is for people and I know how that feels and so yeah I I love to have those conversations I've gotten to have a few this week and and election time I always get to have a few and just get to help answer questions and and it's really been a blessing on my life to kind of be in the place where I am now where I can just talk about the bible and 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 also talk about the world in a way that that is more balanced and that is more healthy than it was when i entered college yeah and i think it's also a topic that's hard especially with younger generations because there is a different thought there Mm -hmm. is a different thought process that the older generations maybe are a little bit afraid of and so i'm it excites me to be somewhere in the middle of that and and get to talk to both and get to learn from both and get to just relate to both honestly as well mm-hmm. um and so yeah but i think i mean mainly what we wanted to talk about today was just kind of overarching concepts of of politics in the church and kind of my things that i've seen that i don't enjoy that have kind of hurt me in my faith um along the way and that i've seen hurt others just as an awareness thing, just as something yeah. to kind of say, hey, this is kind of how the younger generation is feeling about these things, and this is maybe what we think might help yeah. as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, do you believe that 
politics in the church have become idolized or have become a certain standard in way in the way people preach i think that i feel like older churches or churches that have older populations specifically feel the need to address politics mm. they feel the need to address it and and from what i've heard it's not even they're addressing it because it's scriptural but because they're addressing it because their congregation expects them to mm, yeah which i think is a distinction that we need to make as well mm -hmm. um but i would i would say it's definitely more of an individualized idol in the church i yeah. don't know you know i don't know that you go walk into church and see politics spread all over the walls and things. i hope not yeah right yeah. but I mean, I think if you if you were to sit down and talk with individuals, you might see it more often than you would maybe think and hear it more often than you would maybe think and and just be like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I remember this happened about a year and a half ago. I was at an event um, and a woman came up to me and she talked to me and, and was asking for prayer. And I was like, yeah, how can I pray for you? And, and she said, well, you know, my daughter she is is not doing well and and she's just kind of like like straying away and i was like oh i'm so sorry and she's like yeah she's really into that left-wing stuff she's mm. really into that like leftist stuff mm. and i and and i was like okay like yeah like i'll be praying for her and and um and i did yeah. um and i haven't really spoken to that woman since then but just those kinds of things yeah. where it's like wow like that's right. i mean we we had talked for maybe five minutes yeah. and that was one of the things that we brought up in conversation and, yeah. it, and it was a burden on her heart so i don't want right. to neglect that but but clearly it was something that she saw to be so 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 wrong mm -hmm. inherently wrong mm -hmm. and big to address yeah which i just don't think i agree with right. i don't think that that either party is inherently right right therefore not inherently wrong either yeah I think my biggest like issue that I've seen over the years is the way that we talk to lost people about politics. Mm. That's kind of my like big, big thing is, yeah. is how we approach and how we conversate with lost people about politics. Yeah. And I think if you're preaching and communicating to the lost lens more towards what's deemed like Christian politics or, or things of that sort, then it does the gospel itself jesus mm. sin the crucifixion the resurrection that's a problem right yeah. that's a problem because one people are never going to agree with your politics if they don't know jesus right they're just never going to and two if you believe in jesus he's going to sanctify and transform every other belief you hold to mm. like he will and that goes for either party like either side yeah. um you cannot preach either side more than you preach the gospel you can't yeah. and and sometimes it's not even so like direct but it's this kind of underlying like political bias and and mm -hmm. things that we like to to poke into again on either side and so just trying to to remember that like the gospel doesn't need a bias right it doesn't the gospel is the gospel yeah the gospel does not have politics in it. The gospel does not have, like, 
I mean, any other secondary issue in it. The gospel is Jesus dying on the cross for us and us being able to be in a relationship with him now. I, I would never want a, belie- a non-believer to walk into a church and leave, A, not hearing the gospel, because I think every pastor yeah. should be able to preach the gospel every Absolutely. Sunday. Absolutely. Absolutely. But B, feeling condemned because they believe a certain way. Right. Because, okay, maybe... Maybe what they believe in could be wrong. Say say it's wrong. Like, we may never know, but maybe it is wrong. But that that just push, pushes them away from knowing Jesus. Yeah. That no one's going to want to come back if they feel judged. No one's going to want to come back if they are like, well, they don't believe in what I believe, or they think my beliefs are stupid, so... Yeah. I don't feel loved by them. And yeah. that's not that's not Jesus' character at all. Yeah, no. When you think about the way that Jesus spent his time on earth, it was with people, not politics. Right. Like, it was. It was tending to people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know how to say it. Like, Jesus dealt with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to mention, I think it's cool to kind of, when you were sharing your story, and you mentioned how you kind of felt like you had to remove yourself from politics or from things that were feeding that and just focus on Jesus. I think for me, it was kind of the opposite. When I got to college, it was very thrown in my face and I kind of had to be more intentional in finding out what I believed in. And A, that was cool just because like politics are important in life and just living in America and it's a freedom to get to vote and we get to exercise that and like praise God that we get to live in a country that we do we where we can do that freely but I think it was really cool to a it was scary because conflict of any kind just like is not my cup of tea so like right uh, when it was election day on campus and people were screaming at who they wanted to win that physically made me want to just crumble into a ball and die right but I think it was really helpful because it made me realize that there could, and we mentioned this on one of the podcasts, be like diversity of thought in the church. And it doesn't have to, like, because it's a secondary issue, it doesn't necessarily matter. Like, obviously, there's some things that you have to be like sold. Right. Solid. There's a baseline. There's and a we'll, baseline. we'll be the first people to say that there right. is a baseline. But I would be more discouraged to walk into a room and everyone have these exact same political beliefs than walking into a room and seeing like, oh, this person believes something differently differently than me, but we are still pursuing Jesus and still focusing on who he is. Yeah. And I think yeah. that is so cool. Yeah. And, and that's, so I love learning that. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what you said. That's the distinction between unity and uniformity. Mm. We are not called to uniformity. We're called to unity. Yeah. And I think when we start defining unity as uniformity, that's where we see this issue of not being able to bring people in and have them feel loved because we all have this, like, thought process that seems so incredibly unattainable (laughs) to the outside world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, That was something I had on here. But I think whether it be intentional or unintentional, some Christians when they are kind of talking to and sharing with the lost, I think make the gospel seem unattainable or unachievable 
unless you agree politically. Mm. And I just think that that is so wrong for two reasons. One, because I think that everybody needs to be under the constant belief that we are wrong in some kind of sort because we're (laughs) sinful. Right, yeah. And two, because that doesn't allow people to come to Jesus as they are. Mm. That requires them to put themselves together and to do some kind of work Mm, that will make them worthy of God's love. Right. And that's not the gospel. No. That's not the gospel. No, yeah, I totally agree. So, okay, question. Do you think, uh, say, election day is coming up, right? Right. There's this huge, the two two candidates, it's a huge election. What do you think the church should do? How does the pastor handle it? How does um people in the church handle it like i feel like that stresses me out yeah so tell me how you would do that so i want to preface with this as my opinion so like let's just have that as a general rule of thumb moving forward um (laughs) (laughs) classic she just spilled her tea yeah it's like um the boston tea party Except we're not in Boston and we're not having a tea party. And it was on a blanket and not an ocean. And There's so many differences, but also so many similarities. <laughs> <laughs> okay, getting back to the question, which was kind of looking at election day from the church. What should leadership in a church maybe do? Right. My opinion, yeah. all of those things. We had this conversation with a friend of ours um, and I... He, he was challenging me, which amazing, because I need that. Um, and it also makes me think about things deeper. But, you know, in my experience, in, in my opinion, I don't enjoy and I'm not a fan of when from the pulpit on the stage, a pastor is like, hey, this is who you should vote for. Hey, mm-hmm. this is the political belief that you need to abide by. Hey, this is the kind of like thing that you need to be moving for in politics i'm not a fan of that um and the reason being uh because there could be lost people in your church at mm-hmm. any moment um and and there likely is lost right. people in your church right whether you, you know it or not mm-hmm. um and we need to be sensitive to that right and i'm i'm not saying that we need to succumb to it by any means we mm-hmm. don't succumb to the world yeah. But we need to be sensitive to it. Yeah. I think that's an aspect of of being called to gentleness and if, and being called to produce the fruit of the spirit of gentle mm-hmm. gentleness and love. Um, and love comes by truth. Yes, I'm not saying that we should shy away from truth. Right. But I think that we should be sensitive to how that truth is communicated and where. Yeah. And so we were kind of talking through this, and and he had mentioned, you know, what if I was to go up to the pastor afterwards and hey and what if i was to go up to the pastor afterwards and say hey the election's coming up i would like to know your opinion about this political view or this is what i'm thinking of doing voting wise can you speak into that for me um would i have a problem with that would i say hey don't do that the pastor shouldn't speak on that Mm -hmm. and absolutely not i would say that in that setting that that's an appropriate setting to have that kind of conversation right. where you know that both parties are firmly planted in the gospel mm-hmm. and know Jesus and are looking to seek that answer and are going to be okay and really actually quite responsive to maybe a harsher truth or mm-hmm. to um, 
yeah, a harsher yeah. truth. Yeah. And so, but I would call that discipleship. I would call that community. And so for me, in my opinion, politics in the church, it's places in community and yeah. in discipleship, not necessarily in the sanctuary, like on a Sunday morning from the stage. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I've just seen so much hurt. I've just seen so much hurt yeah. um, from that. And I and I think that that if people come up to pastors afterwards and say, hey, I, I want to know this. I want to know this share like your people respect you as a leader your people believe that you are in communication with god and have beliefs like share in those settings Mm -hmm. but also realize that not every single one of the people on sunday morning will come up to you afterwards and ask you that Mm -hmm. yeah and so that's kind of my my thing on it i will say another great thing that our like friend brought up was the idea of like hey during an election cycle or during like a politically i don't know a, pol- a, a time for a political decision right throw some verses up on your screens in your church or pass mm-hmm. out some flyers with some verses that might reference some political topics or some political kind of things that might be being voted on and mm-hmm. say hey these are the verses that we are that our staff and our leadership is praying over right. and looking over yeah. to guide us on how to vote we encourage you to pray over these verses with us yeah and and see how the lord is encouraging you to vote in these ways yeah i remember one time my discipler made a list of um the candidates what their party was how long they've been doing their political thing and maybe some verses or um kind of reasoning of like why she was considering voting for them. Mm-hmm. And it was a very vulnerable thing because it was what she believed. Right. But she shared that with me because I was stressed and I didn't know what to do. Yeah, and that, that was awesome. the best thing I could ever like look at for myself during that time because I could listen to a pastor and what he thinks, but I don't know who he is. Like right. it's much more individualized. Exactly. Personal. And so I trust I could put my trust in her with knowing that who she voted for could be look completely different than who I voted for, but that she did her research and she wanted me to also pray and do my research. And so that was very encouraging. Yeah. And honestly, I think encouraged me to vote. I don't even know if I wanted to vote during that time because I was so stressed about it. Yeah. And so I thank her for that, for encouraging me, pushing me to do something that I should be doing, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I really do believe that if you seek the Lord in your political decisions that he will answer. Um, I remember um, this past election, I was not planning on voting. I was not planning on voting because I just didn't want to. And I like didn't know who to vote for. And I was also kind of stressed. And that that was kind of the first time that had happened for me. Mm. And then all of a sudden, voting day came around. Last day to vote. Have like three, four hours left of voting. And I just feel like so incredibly convicted all of a sudden. Like I think I drove past a sign that was like, oh, vote here or something. And I was like, ooh, maybe I should have done that. Like yeah. maybe I like should have done that and and I went and I voted and I in that moment knew that that's what the Lord wanted me to do Mm -hmm. um and so I think genuinely like if you pray if you ask God for that and if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you he will lead you I mean we forget that that is 
the Holy Spirit's like job title. <laughs> like, yeah, it literally is. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that's good. So, kind of looking at, I mean, obviously, we're kind of talking about how we handle things or how we would handle things in terms of talking about politics and uh, the elections and church and stuff, but. Let's look at scriptural evidence and how Jesus looked at politics or engaged with politics. And Taylor has a tattoo that... Taylor? Did I say Taylor? I think you did say Taylor. And I was like, we can let that go, but also, like, I'd like my name to be correct. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Okay, so basically, Kayla has a tattoo... And honestly, I don't know why I'm explaining it. You should explain it because it's really funny. I don't know why it's, it's funny. funny. Like, just explain it. I have a tattoo on my arm that is a palm leaf. And when I got it, the first, like, five people that saw it were like, oh, my gosh, you got a feather. No, I got a palm leaf. Anyway, um, <laughs> I got a palm leaf. And basically, it is in reference to the triumphal entry in John 12. Uh, because they wave Jesus with palm leaves. And palm leaves are a symbol of royalty. Um, and they, they were very, like, widely known as such in biblical times. And so when they when Jesus rides in, they're waving him with palm trees because a lot of the people at that point expected Jesus to kind of become the next king and to kind mm-hmm. of overthrow and conquer this government that they had been living under that they were not happy under um and so they a lot of people that was their expectation of him that was their desire for his life was that that he would save them Mm. from some kind of um just political discontentment um and so they they waved him with with palm leaves and, and it was a symbol of royalty and so i got that tattoo because what it represented for me was a reminder that royalty is not a goal of the kingdom. Mm. Um, Success and prestige and power are in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father, and that is it. And I don't need to seek that in in my political views and in my political achievements because for a while I want to be president. Um, Kayla Green for president. I know. I know, 35. people, I said, said it to somebody the other night. 35? Did I just say 35? I don't know right. what you said, <laughs> to be honest right. with you. <laughs> That's okay. But anyway, I wanted that, and and so, yeah, it, it, it's it's more of a symbol, let me clarify, of earthly royalty, mm-hmm. right? Like, the goal of, the goal of our life is not of earthly royalty. Right, um, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I got that as a, as a reminder of that, because when Jesus is coming in he is kind of like i'm not here for this like i'm not here for for earthly royalty i'm here to serve i'm coming in on a donkey yeah like i'm here to serve you could have been coming on a camel with four humps (laughs) he said he could have been coming in on a camel with four humps yeah so like (laughs) so why four humps (laughs) i just like think that four humps has never been done on a camel before. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> How do you knowing know that? Jesus, he would. Right, it's right, just, right. like, so Jesus' character. He'd be like, I'm built different. This camel has to be, too. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, I don't good. know. That's actually not, because he totally did 
ride on a donkey. He and did. That, that is, is just what so the scripture humble. says. That is so humble of him. But, okay, going back. Yeah. Jesus engaged with politics in the triumphal entry. He shows that he's not here mm-hmm. for the politics of the world. He's here to sacrifice and to serve for our redemption. Mm. And that's what he shows in yeah. that moment. And so in our engaging with politics, if we look at Jesus, we don't want to be more consumed by the politics of the world and the expectations of the world than we do sacrificing and serving. No, yeah. So that's good. I was also thinking of another scripture evidence of Jesus being I guess, tempted by, not tempted by politics, but in Matthew 4, where it talks about um, when Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan kind of pointed to the holy city of Jerusalem and said, if you're the son of God, jump off and you can have this whole city and you can get um, all the things that you seem good and the glory and the fame, whatever. And he didn't. And I think that first of all shows Jesus's character just in the fact that he was tempted and he didn't give in to sin yeah (laughs) second of all it shows that he didn't want the city of Jerusalem because he didn't need it like just with politics is like it's not a problem if we are invested in it or choose a side or if we like to even learn about it but do we need it? No, we need no. the gospel. Amen. And Woo! so I think that's why that that stands out. And also, let's talk about the fact that like he was isolated and alone and in his isolation is when he got to like talk to God. And so when we are going to the election stand or when we're preparing on who we're going to vote for, isolate yourself and spend time with God because God's going to speak to you and he may not be like vote for this person or you know what I mean but he's going to reveal someone or something or a political issue that you feel very passionate about in that time and if you're so clouded by what social media is saying or what your parents are telling you or what anyone's speaking into you then and you're not listening to Jesus's voice and this goes with anything but for politics like if you're not listening to like what the Lord's telling you then obviously you're going to be stressed and feel like you made the wrong decision or feel like discontent when you, after you vote. And so I love that he was completely isolated and spending time with the, obviously that was intentional, but he was, all he had was God and that's what we need. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this kind of closes things out, but my biggest encouragement and the kind of end point of any of the conversations that I've ever had with girls is is this this was life-changing for me when I literally kneeled at the Lord's feet and I opened my hands and I pictured all of the things that I felt so passionate about believing politically Mm. and I said God do with it what you will Mm. and I said God keep it if you want me to keep it take it if you want me to take it shift it if you want to shift it change it if you want to change it Mm, that's so good and and i said i am open to not believing what i currently believe about these things yeah because what i do believe is you right you know that's good and that's my encouragement to anyone just struggling or confused or or all these things politically or even the person who is super 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 strong in what they believe politically would it hurt to kneel before the lord and be like hey i just want to double check 
Right. Here's the things again yeah. that I believe, but do it the way you will. Yeah. You know? And I think that's cool to bring your desires to the Lord because the Lord wants to hear if you're passionate about a certain subject. Right. But he also wants to change your heart if that's not of him. Right. And so bring your desires, but also be willing to change and yeah. be ready to change because that's what the Lord does is he changes your heart yeah. if you ask for it. So that's good. I hope this conversation is encouraging to you. Yeah. And hopefully the next election you don't feel stressed or you can get on your knees and kind of what Kayla was talking about, open your hands and just give it to the Lord. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. you're ultimately, like, our citizenship is in heaven. And so, mm. True. you know, at the end of the day, all of this worry and stress that we feel is 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 secure yeah. in, our, in our heavenly citizenship. So... Praise God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we, um, like Maddie said, hope that this blessed you. And we are so excited that we get the opportunity to do this. And are just thankful. And, yeah. Hashtag call God. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, girl. I know Jimmy. It's like 1-800 call God. You know it. You love it. Peace Speed out. Dial. Oh. <laughs>